automation and technology is used to, is best used when it is supporting human creativity and human relationships. Um, and it never does well when it tries to replace human relationships or human creativity. I think it's definitely gonna separate realtors though. It's gonna make the cream come to the top in an industry where for $300, you're into a market. And a lot of people, everyone has to claw their way to the top to get to the top. But you know, that's a big 80-20 mm -hmm. or 90-10 industry. And so I think this technology is gonna help separate people. And so, if you're not ready for that, you might be kind of sinking onto the bottom. And if you're ready for it, then it's moving you up to the top. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them, from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling, but there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what, I can fix that, I can help people, and I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world, others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence, so you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and I'm here live on the line with Christina. Christina, are you there? I am here. How are you? Awesome. I am glad to be here. Glad to have you here. For uh, those of us, uh, those of you guests who are uh, following along with my travels, my wife and I are currently stuck in St. Louis getting our uh, radiator worked on at a repair shop. Super fun to do that to, uh, you know, live in a, <laughs> on a repair lot. But anyways, that's where we're all right now. Um, and for those of you who don't know Christina, let me take a couple of seconds and introduce you to her. So Christina is a self-proclaimed real estate entrepreneur. You've been a uh, dedicated real estate professional in, the, uh, Cal in California for your entire adult life, and you've sold in San Diego, Orange County, Santa Cruz, um, and apparently relocated to the East Bay and rebuilt your business from the ground up. Um, so what I want to sort of start off with in the interview is what is it that you're known for now? Why do people come to you? What's your specialty in the marketplace? What is it that, uh, that, that you do? What makes you uh, makes you you? So I think finally I'm getting known for what I want to be known for, and that's being a little bit different than other realtors. Uh, it's taken me quite a while, and I had to go out on my own in order to get that recognition. But now that I've been kind of peddling away at this for my first year, I have my first year under my belt. Um, I'm definitely known as being uh, just completely different alternative from what people consider the traditional realtor, real, real, realtor services. So you said first year, and but you also said uh, your entire adult life. So uh, I assume you're saying first year in this new market. Is that right? No, actually. So first year going out on my own, 100%. I mean, realtors oh, are- Oh, so you're not under a brokerage anymore. Not technically. I'm under kind of a hybrid, brand new technology-centered um, white label brokerage. Um, so they're serving me. I'm not serving them. But essentially in my marketplace, 
uh, I'm out on my own with my own brand and my own plan and my own sort of vision. Awesome. Yeah, we actually have a, a lot of connections in the uh, real estate space. My uh, my best friend and uh, and business partner on a few ventures um, works with uh, his company's called Real Estate Growth Hackers, and he does uh, consulting for real estate agents. I know he works with some big names, uh, Kevin and Fred out of uh, from uh, Next Level Agents and Brett Tanner down in Arizona. Anyways, a couple of, a couple of people in the space. So, anyways, we've. Uh, it's a it's an interesting space to be in, and I know for you guys particularly, the changes in technology over the last ten years or so have really morphed your business. Um, so I'm just curious how how has that sort of um, been affecting you? Everything from like Zillow coming in and trying to take over business, and um, you know other things like that that have have really changed the face of the uh, the realtor space. How have you been uh, been been you know sort of taking advantage of that and um, and morphing your business to fit with the times? So I'm in the Bay Area. So, uh, you know, as far as a realtor being affected by technology, I think we're right in the mix. I'm also yeah, pretty definitely. heavily involved. In, oh, yeah, we're in the mix. So we see everything first here. Um, we're the testing ground for a lot of companies first here. And so it, for me, I love it. I think it's fascinating. Um, I don't feel intimidated by technology, but I kind of try to just like pull it all in and just figure out like what I can use and who I can talk to. And um, it's just actually been very exciting. Um, I'm actually backed by a technology company. So I'm an independent broker, but I've got kind of a very interesting um, brokerage model behind me called Side Inc. And I don't want to get into too much because that's a whole discussion on its own, but it was just named the second most innovative brokerage in America. And basically, it's this invisible technology that supports top producers in their marketplace so that the top producer can own their own company without getting bogged down behind a desk uh, doing all of the traditional brokerage stuff. So I, I love all the technology, and I, I, I just try to maintain as many relationships as I can within the property tech community. Mm -hmm. And... Besides a lot of things I wish realtors would do, I, I wish realtors would get more immersed in what's coming our way because it's never going to yeah. replace the realtor, which is, which is the big fear, like the realtor is going to be replaced. I don't see that happening at all. It's just that the realtor needs to embrace it before being replaced. Yeah, one of the things that uh, I talk about regularly on, I've got a, a business that helps work, helps other businesses build systems and processes. Um, that's uh that's called push button process but anyways we uh, uh one of the things i talk about regularly is that automation and technology is used to it's best used when it is supporting human creativity and human relationships um and it never does well when it tries to replace human relationships or human creativity um at least not yet um it's probably a long ways off before it does um, so it's interesting to hear you say that in your space where you're seeing a lot of these big disruptions in the marketplace saying there's never going to be a replacement, there's still going to be room, um, and probably essential room for the realtor to stay and be a big part of that transaction. I think it's definitely going to separate realtors though. It's going to make the cream come to the top in an industry where for $300 you're into a market. And a lot of people, everyone has to claw their way to the top to get to the top. But, you know, that's a big 80-20 mm -hmm. or 90-10 industry. And so I think this technology is going to help separate people. And so if you're not ready for that, you might be 
kind of sinking onto the bottom. And if you're ready for it, then it's moving you up to the top. Absolutely. So you mentioned um, when you're saying what you're known for that you were you were really trying to be different. What are some of the things that you're trying to bring to the table as to to be a different type of realtor, be something that's offering something unique to your marketplace? So my primary drive and passion actually came from a near complete emotional meltdown. Um, when I came to the East <laughs> nice. Bay, I, yeah, I mean, really, it really did. Um, I came to the East Bay five, six years ago now. And at the time I was getting married and I was pregnant and I was just looking around in a panic thinking, I have got to build this business faster than ever. And so, you know, I was like looking around, trying to work hard, hard work smart. I've always built all of my businesses with handwritten letters. And to this day, I do that. So I talk about technology, nice. but I don't ever remove the personal stuff. Um, and I built my business just kind of in a pretty traditional way. And about a year and a half into it, couple things happened. I can skip over those, but I realized that I needed to be with a luxury firm, a name brand firm, like a big firm. And I made the jump. And after being in real estate for years, for me, it was a big deal thinking, oh, now I'm going to be a luxury realtor. And I did it and I got in and I went to a good company and, you know, a very traditional company, family-based, quite a, a large company, um, one, a regional company. And I was very, very, very disappointed and very depressed. Um, I just got in and once I was behind closed doors, I, I thought to myself, wow, I can't believe that this is the pinnacle like in our industry. Um, a lot of the processes weren't working for me. A lot of the structures weren't working for me. Like there was no room for innovation. At one point, I started crying, and my manager told me, uh, Christina, you don't even want to be that successful because you don't want to have a payroll like so-and-so. Or she told me, oh, this is a, a yacht. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, this is a cruise ship, not a yacht. I mean, I was in tears. I was unhappy. I felt really stuck. And in our industry, in real estate, all over the country, I feel like realtors really do feel like, hey, I'm at this brokerage, and it's not that great. But moving over is also not that great, or moving here is not, like, it's always just the lesser of the evils in the brokerage mm -hmm. world. Uh, so while I was sort of having these experiences internally, I was very successful externally. Um, but at the same time, I felt like the brokerage wasn't supporting me because they weren't giving me a comfortable place to work while paying desk fees. Uh, so I was working at a coffee shop while producing 28 million in sales in 2018. And that's wow. being new to my marketplace. I mean, that's, that's pretty healthy no matter how long you've been somewhere, but that's new to the marketplace. I mean, and I was just working, 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 and I was working for a, a coffee shop and I was paying commissions. I, I'll tell you that I paid $170,000 out in commissions that year. Yeah. Um, uh, so you know, this frustration was adding to that frustration, but then the final, uh, the final experience that I had was I started also looking at the real estate office and I realized like, this is so wasteful. Like, this is really wasteful. You know, mm -hmm. it's always empty. Realtors will arrive on a Monday, they'll drink coffee, they'll listen to a presentation that 
I don't know, maybe not that interesting, especially in the world of podcasts where we can listen to anything we want at any given time. Yeah. And I noticed that this real estate office is also empty and in the Bay Area space is at a premium. So things started really turning and cooking and turning and I wanted the real estate office to actually start serving the community. And mm -hmm. by that, I was proposing to this corporation, hey, let's open up an office that the community can use. Let's give it to the community. And then that started to expand to not spending marketing dollars on wasteful projects, um, shopping carts, postcards. I mean, things yeah. that my industry has steeped in for 25 years. So I just finally, um, I, I had no choice. I was backed into a corner and I was just so unhappy that I went out on my own. And at the same time, side kind of started coming up and that's a whole other conversation. But I, I joined side, which gave me some independence while allowing me to have brokerage structure. Mm -hmm. um, and that part's pretty, pretty invisible. The side portion of it's pretty invisible. It's amazing on its own. But what I did was I opened up a co-working space in my community and I donate it to anybody in the community who needs it for free. So anyone who comes and knocks on my door and needs a place to work, anyone starting a business, anyone starting a startup, anyone with a baby at home, anyone with like mompreneur, basically anyone, nonprofit, anyone can use my space, no questions asked, no strings attached. It's just an open door policy. And so that really got me thinking, okay, the average realtor in, a, in an expensive marketplace, if they're good, they're spending $100,000 a year minimum and, and more, mm -hmm. all, the, you know, all the way up to much more. And I'm finding that a lot of it goes in the garbage. Postcards yeah, that's all trash. wasted spend. It's all wasted spend. And so now I'm paying for this office out of my marketing budget. And I feel like, okay, I'm really giving to the community. I'm doing something useful with my marketing dollars. And it just started to bleed over into everything that I'm doing and I'm making myself ask myself, hey, does this marketing spend benefit someone in my community? And if the answer is yes, I do it. And I've cut way back on, you know, the shameless self-promotion dollars like the postcards. Mm -hmm. And I really have sort of just started becoming passionate about, A, serving my community like in a really real way, but like maybe I can show other realtors, look, you can do something with your marketing dollars that builds your presence and builds your brand name and your credibility and your sphere, which is what a realtor should be doing in a that way is, that really helps people. That is ridiculously cool. By the way, because like I, 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 I told you, we're 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 like you know eyeballs deep in the real estate market and one of my other in my in my friend's business. So we're we're talking about that kind of stuff all the time. It is incredibly unique and very powerful. And one of the things that I know he coaches real estate agents on all the time is the best way to grow your business as a real estate agent is to be the community connector, right? To be that person that everyone you know that that knows you're there that knows you you know the area and that you know all the things that are going on you're the connector and the um you know he talks a lot about you know starting local podcasts and doing things like that so everyone in the community knows that you're the real estate agent to go to 
Um, but you're taking that like a whole, to a whole nother level where you're just, you're actually providing for the community, which is super, super cool. So right now I've been open about a year and thank you because when I started it, like, you know, I was in here painting walls, kind of crying, like pulling Amazon boxes from my house to the office and just thinking, what are you doing? You're going nuts. Like everybody's going to be like, this girl went off the rails. And I do actually feel that way in my marketplace. Like I, I don't think other realtors have really hopped on board to be like, Hey, this is so cool the community has so I'm like either they don't know what I'm doing or they don't get it or they're jealous I, I'm not sure but you know so, there are times when I like, you know I still feel really alone in doing it but then I'm also still very committed to doing it yeah the uh you know they say the the people who are innovating are you know the ones that are out front right you're the they're <laughs> you're by yourself um which is the way that goes but I guess the million dollar question has that impacted your your uh, GCI right has it actually uh, um, increased the the sales volume that you're doing I would say immediately um, the answer to that would be no but in a very soft way it's a yes um, also I, I'm in a pretty conservative market and a very like old money type of community where the brands that are here have been here for a while and then of course any realtors listening like you know compass swept through just a, a mega corporation kind of gobbling everyone up yeah. and I kind of went on my own right when the mega corporation was eating everyone up so like while while the big machine became the popular thing to do I just kind of stepped out on my own thinking like I'm gonna wait this out I'm gonna wait this out over here and meanwhile, like my heart's beating, I'm totally petrified. And now though, I mean, my door is closed. I have a sign on the door. There's six people working, a graphic designer, an architect, a friend of mine who's a mom who just likes to get away from her kids. So my co-working space is full and busy every day. And, you know, I come in and I see people here and I'm like, wow, my idea works. And most people in the community will, I think will tell you, but at this point in time, like, especially in my generation, um, I'm definitely the most famous realtor in the area. So yeah, I think like yeah. getting and that. You're, it's, it's a longer play, right? You're not, you're not playing for marketing dollars today equals sales tomorrow. Well, right? you're I'm looking super at, at dollars today to, equals. Yeah. And I'm brand. very, very. Right. And I'm very sensitive to not making people feel sold to. And so I think mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hanging back a lot more than I would um, with, you know, it's like a very fine line. Like I want to be hospitable, like food, ink, Wi-Fi, snacks, coffee, like everything is included. Like you come here and it's like everything I have is yours. Everything I have, you can even sit at my desk if I'm not here. Um, everything I have is yours. But at the same time, I don't want it to feel like very transactional, like you're coming here and then I'm marketing to you, right? So I'm I'm really like hanging back and just telling myself, be patient, like it's working and things and things are yeah. starting to roll in, but I'm so, not been rolling anything yet. <laughs> my, my, my first thought, and I don't know how this, how this plays out, but one of the things that uh, um, Zach, who's my, uh, my, a guy who does the real estate coaching recommends for like the local podcasters who are using podcasting to do something similar, right. To become a, a name in the community is, is he just regularly has, you know, you have a message that just says, Hey, if you or anyone you know is 
you know, looking to do a real estate transaction, make sure you send them my way, right? It's a really soft call to action kind of thing. Um, just right. so people are aware that, that uh, you know, that's a, a thing that you, you do, um, which I'm sure with what you're doing, it's probably there already. But um, yeah, that'll be a, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out over the long term because um, I imagine that'll have, that'll have quite an impact in the community. I'm hoping it does, and I'm hoping that it provides me with proof of concept that I could start maybe regionally just opening up little micro offices where it's like, okay, let me open up a micro. And in the Bay Area where commute is such a concern and property mm -hmm. values are such a concern, I mean, to join a co-working space around here is $700 a month. I'm giving that away for free to people who need yeah. it. Um, I would love to open more like little micro offices and just be like, Hey, you know, you're, you're welcome to come in. Um, and then I also started a moving guide for the area. So it's been a very busy year, just sort of thinking to myself, okay, if I'm going to claw out this space for myself and I'm going to do it, then I'm going to do all the things. Um, so yeah. I'm trying to actually like, be seen as like, Hey, look at this girl. She's doing this stuff. She cares about the community. Like all this stuff is being built. Um, and then just kind of getting that momentum to getting it noticed. Absolutely. So that's it's a really interesting story for how you've gotten started in the, the area here. My, my next question for you has to do with your superpower, right? So this is um, the way I've been framing this recently. It's, you know, it's what you do build our office world that really helps solve problems for people. But if you look at your set of skills that you have, um, you know, there's probably a lot of things that you're pretty good at. And what we've been talking about is your superpower is the is the it's the one thing that sort of connects them all together the one that introduces all of your skills and curious if you've thought about that or if you have an idea of what you think your superpower is that one thing that you bring to the table that really lets you you know light everything up in your in your business okay so i think that the superpower is that i'm really good at creating space for people like as a realtor like I don't want to sell them the house and hand them the key I want them mm -hmm. to like feel like they're part of the community right and so it's like come in come to this event like forget about your house like I'm I'm so tired about houses like I don't really care about your house you're a person and you're moving and so like kind of creating space and making sure that people are connected socially and figuring out where to pick up their dry cleaning and just Stuff like, okay, which where where do I go get my manicure? Or like, you know, what's the deal with preschools? Like just really remembering that real estate is about people and it's not it's not about houses. Yeah, yeah. So that's, and that's a, that's a thing that I think a, a lot of real estate agents forget, right? You're not in the business of selling homes, you're in the business of moving people into communities. Correct. Or out for that matter. Or out of communities, into another community, right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, and that's, that's the thing. It's like people always talk about, well, I'm an expert on the neighborhood. I'm like, I don't really care about the neighborhood because really like this family, they have dogs, they have kids, they, you know, they're moving, they still have to work. Like there's so much going on that has nothing mm -hmm. to do with the house. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be interested more in like when you move to an area where there's where's the cool dog park that I could take the dogs to? And like you were saying out here in, uh, in St. Louis, what are the cool, you know, cool places we can take the kids yeah. and that kind of stuff. I think and a lot of this compassion, um, I, it stems from me being a military brat. So it's like, I know what it's like to move mm -hmm. and 
pack up and unpack and try to make friends and like you first you feel alone and then you're confused and then two and a half years later you're like oh I'm getting into the groove of this and it's like well I don't want to do it all again right yeah and then you're doing it all again so for me it's like just making sure that people feel included and connected and that's that's the superpower yeah that's a really interesting interesting uh uh superpower um and it's also one that i don't think a lot of people have right it's not a lot of, uh, like the people really understand that uh the relationship sort of background to to what it is that you do right and how you uh how you get in and actually really because you, you like you you can't just know the things you have to like really care about the people and you have to get to know them and um and find out what it's actually important to them so you can make connections that are going to help them you know build their life in this new place yeah and even just a little bit faster like it's for me it's like facilitating the the speed of feeling comfortable of where you are yeah so i don't know how common buyer's remorse is in real estate um, because it's such a big purchase, but I'm curious if you feel like th- what you do for people and helping them get into the community helps reduce that feeling of like, oh, I can't believe we just moved to this community or that we bought this house or that kind of stuff. Do you think you think that that really helps with with some of that stuff? I'm gonna say I do, and then I actually have had prospects and friends who have called me after using another realtor, and they've had some remorse, and they're like, "What do we do?" And I try to be the bigger person, but usually I tell them that they need to call their realtor. <laughs> um, but with my clients, like I love buyers and I will always tell them, I will drag them out to 20, 30% more houses than they want to see. Because I'm like, look, when you make this decision, I want you to know that you looked at this neighborhood and that neighborhood and that neighborhood. And sometimes I'll just take them somewhere wild. Like, Hey, let's just triple check that you don't like it over here. Um, so I actually love being out with buyers. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. that buyer's remorse is pretty low on with my clients. Um, but there, it's not infrequent that I get a call from someone who accidentally used another realtor and then they're asking me like how to fix things. Um, of which yeah, I obviously a... cannot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not uncommon when, uh, you're, your superpower really, you know, hits that nail on the head for them. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's an interesting thing for, uh, especially because like with real estate, it's such a huge purchase and it's such a life, life-changing thing for people. And just last week I bought tickets to a comedy show um, and I invited 10 clients and they're all friends of mine. Some uh, There was a couple there that I sold a house to seven years ago and I'm like, hey, I'm still inviting you out. I still want you to get to know this person. I still want you to make friends here. Like, let me introduce you to these people. Like, I'm still with my clients, like, even half a decade later, if they want me to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And <laughs> I, and it's, uh, it's, it's probably one of my favorite things about the real estate profession is that it's, like, it's professional relationships, right? You you have to be really, really good at it. Um, and yeah. so it's interesting that, that that's your, uh, that's your superpower. So the other side of your superpower is your fatal flaw, right? So for our audience here, most of them are entrepreneurs building their businesses in some way or shape or form. 
your fatal flaw is, you know, like Superman has his kryptonite, something that you have struggled with in the growth of your business. Um, and more importantly than what the flaw is, but how have you been dealing with that yourself or other people who might suffer from something similar? They might learn from you. <laughs> oh, I answered this for myself on the very first podcast I ever listened to of yours. And so I really hate to answer it because every time <laughs> you ask a guest, I'm like, oh, I hate my fatal flaw. And it really is like... <laughs> <laughs> I hate my fatal flaw because every time you ask it, I like beat myself up. It reminds you. Um, it's that I'm like, I'm a visionary and I'm so passionate about having my vision that when people don't really see it the way I see it, I'm like, get on board, you idiots. And <laughs> it's hard for me to like really deal with people who like don't see my vision. And it's, that's a lot, right? When you're out on your own. Yeah. I think for me to kind of maintain like my own cheerful attitude and to like, I can't fault people because they don't know what they don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that just sounds so presumptuous, but you know, that's my fatal flaw is that when I see this vision and for me, it's so complete and beautiful and flowing and like big and like ever growing that when other people don't see it, I'm like, what's wrong with you? And I don't even stop to consider that, like, maybe something's wrong with me. I could possibly be a little off my rocker, but it's working out. My <laughs> I, like, I like that, off your rocker. <laughs> my instant reaction is like, what's wrong with you? Like, how come you don't see all of this? And I have to remember that, like, not everyone sees all of this, which is why I'm out here doing it and creating it and living it and risking it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's so hard for me to kind of like rein that in and like sometimes I get a little testy about it. <laughs> no, I totally get that. Like I, you know, and I, it's probably more common than you think for entrepreneurs because we tend to be visionary people. And like, I know, for instance, like, you know, my, my mom and dad, greatest people in the world, I love them to death and they love me. Um, and I was, I was definitely raised in a great home, but when I try to tell them like the things that I'm doing and how we're doing them, I generally get either blank stares or you're crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, get so, so, I get so many people who are like, why don't you just charge for your co-working space? I'm like, Oh, should I charge you? And they're like, well, not me because I can't really afford it. And that's the thing. People at my co-working space, they can't afford to go somewhere else. They can't afford to rent an office. They would be at a coffee shop like me but that's, mm -hmm. that's like one of the primary things. It's like, well, why don't you just charge? I'm like, so why don't I just erase like the primary part of the entire vision? And I kind of <laughs> joke, I'm like, okay, I'll charge you. And they're like, well, uh, I mean, I'm really enjoying it here. Like, I don't want you to charge me, but I'm like, maybe you could charge other people. <laughs> <laughs> just all of the, my friends that are next to me, you could charge all of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's that, that difference between someone who's, and what's interesting too is even if you're talking to another person who's a visionary, they won't always see your vision, right? Because they have their own they're working towards. So it's, it's, uh, it's that whole, you know, thing where it can be lonely at, um, you know, lonely when you're, when you're pushing for something and innovating in a space. Um, so my curiosity then is what have you been doing to sort of help curb that and you know, and, uh, and make that, make that a, you know, a better response or not feel so lonely in the journey that you're doing. Well, I think finally now it's like, it's coming around and I'm getting a little more 
uh, feedback that it's working. Like I, I've had somebody approach me to buy help, help their parents buy and sell, and I'm like, oh, that's a clear cut example of this working. And I'm starting to get more solid, clear cut examples of it working. Um, but the first year, for sure, like I constantly have to remind myself, like breathe and be patient and like don't like I don't know who it was maybe Einstein like everybody gives up just before they succeed Mm -hmm. right so I'm like okay just get out a little longer like you're already invested this much and then I also really struggle because like I want to expand and I'm like I want the bigger co-working space and I want to do this and that Um, but I'm trying to just like really tell myself like everything that I'm doing is working well and that I should just like enjoy it at this point. Yeah, yeah. And for for those of our guests who are listening, if in case you missed it, one of the things that's really important when you're pushing towards a vision and you have that sort of lonely feeling is to look at the early results and see them and remind yourself that hey, this is what we're doing, where we're going. And you know, I have someone who's been there myself, I you know I'm 10 years into my business now and I get to a point where I'm pretty well known in my space. And people come to me and they're like, hey, I'm, I'm excited to get to talk to you, right? Now, if you go back 10 years ago, the first couple of years, you never have any of that stuff happen. Um, so it's, it's a lot easier as you get further into that journey to realize, um, you know, that people will start to see your vision eventually. <laughs> well, and I do think like if you're on the cutting edge of stuff, which I kind of pride myself of being a lot of it by necessity, is that when other people start catch like it's not that they're not seeing what you're doing. It's mm-hmm. like that they're just they're behind the curve, most of the people. And so like as they as people are sort of evolving themselves and like younger generations, I'm not that young, I'm not that old, I'm forty two. But yeah. like just seeing kind of like the second wave of people that are like growing up in technology and you start to feel less alone because you start bumping into each other like me and you yeah because you're you're finding other people who are doing similar cool things in their businesses and making making a making a change making an impact right so next question for you has to do with your common enemy Right. So common enemy has to do um, is framed in terms of your clients. Right. When you when you uh, bring in a new client to either, you know, help them buy a home or sell a home. um, If you could wave a magic wand and sort of remove a mindset or um, something similar that's really holding your clients back that you feel like you could really help them more if they could just change this thing. Something you sort of, you know, running your head into the wall kind of thing over and over again with your clients. What is a what is something that you sort of run into that you you have to fight against all the time with your in your business? Uh, I think just that you know real estate's a very social business, and so everyone has a friend who's a realtor, and maybe seven of them. Um, yeah. But when it comes to choosing a professional, so many people will like choose their neighbor, or you'll see somebody with an ethnic background choose someone of another ethnic background that's similar, and kind of the markers for like how people choose their realtor, they're not really based on reality. They're not based on skill set. They're not based on track record. I mean, a lot of time, like a bulk of the time. And so kind of telling like a buyer or seller, like, no, you don't use your neighbor because you've been getting postcards from her for seven years. Like you really need to dig onto the internet and see what their presence is and see, and you know, I'm not the only good realtor in town, like by far, there are lots of good realtors, but 
the number of people who use a realtor because they bumped into them in an open house or they feel guilty because they're in their daughter's class or they've been yeah. friends since high school or like so the parameters for choosing the professional are not in place. And I don't know if it's because the public isn't educated on that. Um, but that's kind of the thing that I would like to see because I have had people call me and they're like, I'm so unhappy. It helped me. And I'm like, I can't help you now. You chose another realtor and you're in contract. And it doesn't yeah. really like become evidenced until you're in trouble that you, you know, you picked your neighbor because she's consistently sent you postcards for the last six years and she hasn't sold any houses. I mean, and that's throughout my industry. Yeah. And it's an interesting space too, because so many people, like the the barrier to entry to become a real estate agent is not that high, which means there are a lot of real estate agents, but the barrier to be a good real estate agent is really high, <laughs> right? Like the, the uh, I can't remember what the exact numbers are, but it's something like uh, in any given market, only 1% of the realtors do something like 90% of the transactions. So in uh, my market, school. 400 realtors are licensed and in 2018 only 63 of them sold more than two houses yeah like it's insane the 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 disparity between being a realtor and actually someone who's closing transactions so to your point having a as as someone who is uh um uh selling houses if you could get all of your clients to just understand like here's how you actually hire a good realtor would be a would be a major boon it would be. It <laughs> so, really would be. So my curiosity is, do you deal at all with that in your marketing efforts on, on like educating the, uh, the, the public, so to speak, on what it looks like to be a good realtor and someone who's actually got a track record of closing deals and getting people moved into homes? So I think because I've taken such a medium hard stand on not producing junk marketing, um, it's been a little difficult for me to do that because I'm really trying to focus on um, demonstrating like, hey, I, I'm doing it. Like, take a look. Like, you know, I'm supporting all of this and it's with my realtor income. Um, yeah. I, I really, you know, I haven't and I've thought about it or like, you know, selling yourself against the competition. Like, hey, I'm an independent and private service versus the, the team name in town. Um, but for me, I feel like putting that much money into what would equal garbage, and it's 2020, mm -hmm. we all care about the climate, um, it's really hard for me to justify like putting out campaigns like that, unless they're digital, and you know, that's a really hard uh, place to get clear through the clutter too. Yeah. Um, so that's why I really wanted to go back to this micro, right? Because the people who are coming to my co-working space, I have like 75 of them now, like they're getting to know me in a real way. So now as a realtor, I know 75 people personally and relatively intimately in my community that I didn't know a year ago. And that's a pretty big ROI uh, for a realtor yeah, to yeah. say, like you're, you're not getting that. That's like a from sphere of influence on steroids. Yeah. And I mean, you're not getting that from postcards. I mean, they're going to no. see your face, but I'm like, okay, let me get these hundred, you know, and it's like the whole shift in, in, into micro marketing. Let me get these hundred people like where I really know them and they really know me for that sort of, rather than let me send out 20,000 postcards a month and 
you know, it goes in the trash. When I get a postcard from a realtor, I just laugh and shake my head and I'm like, wow, that's someone's grandma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm very opinionated, uh, but, you know, I think you have to be to stay true to that vision. <laughs> Absolutely. So the other side of that then is your, if your common enemy is something that you fight against, your driving force is what you fight for, right? Just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or, you know, Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. What is it that you fight for? What's your mission with your real estate company? I really want people to start choosing the service provider who's providing a service and I really want people to see like if I'm serving the community that I should be serving the community. And for me, you know, I would love to just show that to other people to like really start making a different kind of footprint on this industry just for climate stuff and logic and like let's just evolve an industry that really needs to be evolved. But it's like just really showing people like, hey, you're getting service, but you're also getting service like as a community. Yeah, yeah. So actually, so changing sort of changing the 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 face of the real estate market where it's not just someone who's, you know, buying and selling homes, but it's actually being a a community service servant a community leader in in that way yeah and i think we have an obligation to i don't think this is something that i'm choosing to do i mean anybody with a hundred two hundred three hundred thousand dollar budget i think they should be answerable to what they're doing with it i just think they should it's, it's time for that and it's time to like take that dollar volume and like really say like this is what I'm doing with it and it means something. It's not shameful, self shameful, shameless. Uh, I, those are interchangeable. That was Freudian. <laughs> shameless self promotion. Uh, yeah. Shameless self promotion, creating garbage, at a time in history where you know we're all ready to be done with the garbage. Yeah. Absolutely. So, just for my own personal future i hope that goes really well for you because i think it sounds like a glorious change in the real estate market um because again it's, it's a it's a space i know pretty intimately and i know that uh it is ripe for change um and a lot of people think it's going to come from technology and what i'm hearing you say is that it's going to come from servant leadership that's powered by technology which is i think a really cool fresh take on that industry we might have to do some real estate growth hacking together. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to uh, transition a little bit, talk, talk more practically. Um, this uh, our section of the show is called the hero's tool belt, right? Maybe you got a big magical hammer like Thor or a bulletproof vest like your uh, neighborhood police officer, or maybe you just really love how Evernote lets you organize everything. Um, what are some of the practical tools you use on a daily basis to really manage and work your business? Right. When it comes to either, you know, keeping track of leads, following up with them or, you know, making sure your deals get, you know, move through the stages properly. What's some of you know, something you just couldn't live without today to manage your business? I mean, I have to say, like, everything I have comes from the Internet. A, I'm one way, shape or form, um, especially I have a virtual assistant 
uh, which is incredible. I, I was petrified to hire her, and now I'm like, wow, I don't know how anyone gets <laughs> right without, without her. One. Yeah. yeah, and really, it's like just social media, the access to social media. I mean, it's not free. You have to pay to play. But, I, I mean, no one, especially me, could build any of this. Like, I wouldn't have even been able to get awareness out uh, on any of it. Uh, without social media, which, you know, we all kind of love to hate, but really it it allows people who are like passionate and consistent and driven to create something. And yeah, there's like so many bumps in the road and there's so much crap you have to go through and there's so much trial and error and it's so wild west and you don't know who you can trust like yeah. the service provider, but like if you do it and if you slog through it and if you're reasonably intelligent and just like keep tweaking and trying and pushing, like you can build anything you want. And I mean, yeah, I guess that's the American dream, like going all the way back in time. But like for us now with this, I think that that's the toolkit to have is your social media skill set. Yeah, I call I call this the uh, the golden age of business because everything is so accessible nowadays, right? Everything from like you and I are chatting, you know, we're halfway across the country chatting live on a on a video yeah. recording thing here, which is super cool. All the way down to like if you want to get a physical product business going and order, you know, custom made products from China or India or here in the United States, even you can do that, right? Like I've got a supplement company that we run that, uh, you know, our minimum orders for custom made supplements are like 12 bottles, right? You know, 10 years ago, it was 2000. <laughs> right. Um, That's, yeah. So it's incredible and, it, and it's still scary and it's still confusing and it's still kind of a jungle, but you can do it from your home. You can do it with kids. You can do it pregnant. I mean, that, you know, I'm yeah, home or like us, you know, four kids in a 40 foot RV while traveling, right? <laughs> yeah. And so like, let's talk about barrier to entry. Yeah. In real estate, it's pretty low, but you know, online, if you're smart and you're dedicated and you really believe in what you're doing, then the barrier to entry is also te technically pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm going to talk about your own personal heroes a little bit, right? So just like Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, who were some of your heroes? Were they uh, real life mentors, um, speakers, authors, peers who may be a couple of years ahead of you? Um, and how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your business? I have also answered myself like and thought about this listening to your podcast before. I don't know if like something's wrong with me, but usually I find myself so far ahead of the curve that the people that really drive me are the people that I become disappointed in where, you know, I just am finally like, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to do it another way and I'm going to do it a better way. I'm just, you push me to my limits. I, I just, I just can't operate this way anymore. Um, so I kind of find like that really like the disappointment part will fuel me a lot faster than the inspiration part. Um, but I just, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's that's actually it's an interesting uh, because take because I've I say I've heard that before a little bit where where it's the 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 thing that inspires you is like so and this this has come up a couple of times in discussions on the show that like you know we we'll put people up as a hero in our own lives because they've influenced us, um, but mm -hmm. that it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is infallible or 
um, perfect in any way. It's just like, sometimes you realize that like, hey, I'm looking forward to this person. And you realize that like, once you get closer to them, either in stature or in relationship or other things, you realize they're just as human as you are. And that can be a driving force as well. Yeah. And I do, um, I mean, if you want to like go all the way back, I want one of my childhood. Did you ever read a Clan of the Cave Bear or any of that series? I did not. There's this series, this Neanderthal girl, and she loses her whole family in uh, an earthquake. And then there's a series of like six fantasy realism type books. And she goes from being like three years old and, and she grows up and in like into being a woman, but she's just sort of out there like in the world, very innovative. And, you know, I've loved her since I was a little girl and sort of identified with that. So I think that if anything, um, <laughs> she might be my hero. Uh, but yeah. Cool. I think, you like, called that Clan of the really, Cave Bear? I, I, it's called Clan of the Cave Bear. If you have daughters, especially as reading, I just, it's a, it's, yeah, I have, it's, uh, I have very, three daughters, so. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I started reading them when I was about 10, but I really just admire people, which I may save for the next question when you ask me for a referral. Um, <laughs> I admire people who are just sort of innovative and I'm like, wow, like what they're doing hasn't been done before. But a lot of times to figure that out about someone, you have to start to get to know them a lot better because mm -hmm. a lot of us, we're all in our own world, sort of like pushing forward for what we're you Yeah, know, driving. to that point earlier, you so, can't always see their vision until you get to know them close enough yeah. so they can paint it for you. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so let's bring it home for our listeners. Talk a little bit about your guiding principles. Top one or two principal actions that you use regularly on a daily basis that you think contribute to both the success and influence that you enjoy in your business today. Maybe something you wish you had known when you started out um, in your uh, in your real estate career. Uh, for for me, it's definitely so. Uh, bold is the new neutral is one of my company mottos and I spent That's so good. much time like I like it thank you I spent a lot of time like trying to fit into a box right in my industry everyone's like painting houses gray and working for companies with serious logos and and then I just really at one point was like I can't do this career without being me and so now it's like everything's colorful and cheerful and a little bit in your face. And just, I'm like very um, self-aware about like not putting myself into a box because it's like, okay, I just want to go out and find those people who, who want that. And, you know, it's really scary because I'm in a conservative business. Um, but the thing that I, I'm just constantly asking myself is like, is this good? Even if it's a little bit wilder or more colorful than what the people are accustomed to, like, you know, if it meets those criteria of being good and like coming from a good place in my heart, then I do want it to have my like stamp of creative self-expression. Yeah, I like, I really like that whole bold is a new neutral thing because it, it goes all the way back to like something uh, Einstein said, where he's like, if everyone else is doing it, it's probably wrong, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And not necessarily, not necessarily that it's wrong, but just that it's not going to get the attention of the market, right? And so if, if you look like and act like everyone else in the market, 
you are just part of the noise, right? And you have to stand out a bit. And I think a lot of it just comes from fear, right? Like we're afraid that people won't like it. And so we don't do it. But, it, you know, at the same time, like I'm showing houses all the time and buyers are confused because every house is painted gray. But really, like yeah. when it comes to decorating a house for market, someone's afraid to paint a wall green because they're afraid someone's not going to like it. And it just sort of all boils down to like we're neutralizing everything to the base level. And yeah. everyone's just so afraid to deviate from it because they feel like it's just been proven to be successful. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to – my head's going to explode if I have to so stay. I have, I have an interesting question for you on that, just on that very specific topic of, of uh, prepping a home for showing, right? Um, in one of the things that my wife and I used to do just for fun because we thought it was cool was uh, in, we had a luxury neighborhood near our, where we grew up. Um, and, uh, and it was like, um, you know, five acre buy-ins and big mansions and all that stuff. And they always, you know, the realtors there always had open houses on the weekend with cookies and whatnot. So we always used to go to the, uh, the big open houses and look at the mansions. And one of the things I noticed in one particular house, right. And this comes to your whole, your whole idea of old as the new neutral is the whole house, the decorations and everything were very, very, um, I don't know what you what the word would be there they were very bold right and they were like custom paintings and like custom like cut like the the person who lived there was an artist and like custom tiles that they had put into you know they carved into the walls and stuff like that and my wife and I thought was like this is beautiful it's just absolutely gorgeous but for me um, I was like it felt like you would never want to touch the house because it was a like artwork um, and I'm curious yeah. where the line is, you think, between of like, hey, I want, I want to be able to show someone a future in this house where they can make it their own versus making it better than just bland and neutral, if that makes sense. Like, where do you, where do you sort of see that line? Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, you do have to be practical because not everybody wants, uh, it's very personalized and you want the blank slate. Um, but so for me, what I've done is I've just begged the stagers that I have a relationship with and begged and like, hey, like a little brighter, a little brighter. And I'm like, oh, still a little brighter. Like, hey, let's like add something fun. And so I've also started purchasing a lot of accessories on my own. And um, then also because you can't always carry it over into the house, I just try to be sure that I carry it over into my brand and like just let mm -hmm. people know, like, I don't I don't have to be serious in presentation to be good yeah that's true yeah so it's, it's interesting because like you have a, a line to walk where it's like i i want someone to see personality and life and boldness in the house and the staging but at the same time be able to show them a future there um so you're saying you can bring some of that in with your presentation and with your personality as well yeah that's what i'm going for <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going for. And, you know, just making sure that, you know, all of my events focus on community events or like we went out for a comedy show. It's like, hey, let's make it fun. Let's make it light. Let's make it lively. My co-working space, which, you know, sorry, the video wasn't working perfectly today. It's very bright. It's very vibrant. I mean, every room is a different color, but I still think it's tasteful. And a lot of people walk in and they're like, I wish my house looked like this. And I'm like, yeah. well, we can get to work. Like, we can do it. You know, that's you the know, thing so that people like do in their houses, too. People yeah, will keep their house people. like it's ready for sale in 10 years. And like, why don't you paint it now? You could always paint it neutral later. 
true. I think that people just end up being a little bit afraid. So it's like, hey, yeah. let's, it's not that serious. It's not that serious. Like, it's okay to live in a cheerful environment. Yeah, like, we don't all you know, live in gray houses. Nice thing about paint, too, is if you paint it and you don't like it, you can paint over it. <laughs> That's true. My, uh, it reminds me of a story of our last RV. My, uh, my, we painted the inside of it and redid it. And I asked my wife, I was like, what, what kind of colors do you think we should do? And she was like, oh, I trust you with colors. You do branding all the time. So I picked out a color scheme that I really liked and painted it all. And uh, um, she came back and looked at it. And she was like, yep, shouldn't let you do that. I can't stand it. <laughs> so so <laughs> she, went, she went with me to the store and we picked out new colors and repainted it. But yeah, um, it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. You just, it's, if you, uh, if you don't like the way it turns out, you can do it again. You can do it again. You can do it again. It's not that big a deal. Um, so that's cool. So last, uh, last part of this, so this, uh, of our show, something we do on every show, I know you've already alluded to it is our heroes challenge. It's pretty simple. Basically, um, do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story on our show? Yeah, I do. So I met this woman, her name is Pamela, and she runs something called Gold Coast Chamber Players in the Bay Area. And, you know, as you know, chamber music is heavily, you know, it's an older demographic, people that enjoy mm -hmm. it. Um, but she is one of the most innovative entrepreneurs I've ever met. I mean, I feel like she's on par with me just with like the scope and the breadth and the constant like let's evolve and try this and do that and I mean I'm not even the biggest fan of chamber music I tried I'm like why is this song 22 minutes long like I really just <laughs> have a hard time getting into into chamber music and classical music and I've attended and I still can't figure out why the songs are 22 minutes long and I'm like did one end did another one start like what's happening here um, but she is such a fascinating entrepreneur that I would hands down recommend um, meeting her, talking to her, because I've just never met anyone like her. Like, to me, it feels like a spirit animal, and that's not something I say very often ever in my life. Well, that's super cool. Yeah, so we'll reach out after the uh, show and see if we can get uh, contact details, maybe get her on the show. That'd be super cool. So last thing, thank you so much for... Uh, for coming on the show, Christina, we really appreciate it. It's been a fun conversation. Where can people find you if they're interested in, uh, um, you know, if they're in the Bay Area or looking to move the Bay Area? Um, where can they find you? And then I guess more importantly, who are the sort of the right type of people to reach out for your services? Uh, so uh, you can find me on the first 10 pages of Google, <laughs> three different Instagram <laughs> accounts, all over Facebook, three different web pages. I mean, you know, I'm out there. So if you're looking for me, I'm not hard to find, uh, Christina McCann. But, you know, my brokerage is Chroma Realty, C-H-R-O-M-A, which is the Greek root word for color, um, Chroma Realty. And, you know, I'd be happy to meet you for coffee or show you around or, you know, I love getting in the car and just kind of showing people the area. Um, and the people that I want are the people who are like, yeah, why is this so serious? Like, let's go have fun. Let's spend a million bucks. <laughs> spend a million bucks on a house in East Bay, right? Yeah, it's like, I don't mean to say it so flippantly, but like, yeah, you want someone to show you around like parks and coffee and, you know, this and that. And then also continue to show you around after you've moved here. Like, 
I mean, I'm a very fun girl, and that this is kind of why I'm like, you know, this box has to go away. These limits have to go away. Like, let's just all have fun. Absolutely, I love it. So you heard her. If you're looking to, if you're looking to move into the East Bay, or you're looking to change houses in the East Bay, or looking to sell something in East Bay, look, reach out to uh, Christina McCann. It's uh, chromarealty.com, and I'm, she's all over social media. You can look her up. Um, and again, Christina, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. It's been a fascinating conversation. I really love what it is that you're doing in your space, um, and I hope it catches on. Thank you so much. It's been as fun talking to you as listening to you, which <laughs> it's a lot of fun listening to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate Except that. You're, you you're, 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 taking, you're taking me away from all my real estate podcasts because I usually log on and listen and then I'm like, well, let's see. He's got another one. He's got another one. I just like, <laughs> I love all the people that you're choosing and I really like the vibe of you just kind of exposing people who are um, just interesting for no other sake than being interesting like there's no real rhyme yeah. or reason except for like hey this is fascinating and i really appreciate uh, all of the that's, shows uh, to. that's what i've been going for and like <laughs> j just in complete you know like honesty i had no idea like i was like i when we first started the show i was like i'm not really interested in like a specific subset of entrepreneurs or you know, people who are in a specific place in their business, which I know a lot of the shows that are like this have like, they're looking for specific types of people. I'm like, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for the stories behind the kind of people who start businesses. Right. Um, and cause it's, yeah. it's a very specific type of person and it, you know, it spans the, the spectrum of people who are, you know, everything from picking up trash to, um, to, you know, starting co-working spaces in big, in big cities, like what you're doing, right? That's, it's just super cool to see all the cool things that people are doing. Um, and, you know, I do the show selfishly because I really enjoy talking to people. So <laughs> I'm glad other people enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I really do enjoy it. And you are sucking up most of my podcast time these days, but that's okay. <laughs> that is good to hear. So do you have any uh, final <laughs> words of wisdom for our audience before we hit the uh, stop record button? I mean, please just follow your heart, even if you're in an industry that feels standard, because there are people out there who will appreciate it. Awesome. You heard her follow your heart. Again, thank you so much, Christina, for coming on. 